1: As I have mentioned on the show before, I am a big fan of the Saturday morning cartoon block of programming. I went out of my way time and again to watch it. I didn't have many friends who shared my passion for it, but I did have a pal who appreciated the shows as much as I did, although his taste in shows were a little different than mine. When the Smurfs premiered, I was all over them, and I loved the Smurfs. I collected the figures, I tried to record the show when we had a VCR, I was unabashedly Smurf happy. This friend of mine, who was also into Saturday Morning Cartoons, took a while to come around to the Smurfs, and I think... He felt like he missed the train on that, and when the Snorks came around, he decided he was going to go hog wild for these little guys. And he was so sure because of my love of the Smurfs that I would get into the Snorks just as much, maybe even more so because they were new. I'm not sure if it was his enthusiasm for the show or the fact that I just was dedicated to the Smurfs, but I did not come around to the Snorks at all when they first premiered. No matter how much he tried to get me to watch them, no matter how many of his toys he showed me, nothing could sway me from my love of Smurfs to love of Snorks. The thing is, I think it hurt his feelings. He had sat through all my Smurf love when he obviously didn't love the Smurfs, and now that he loved the Snorks and I wasn't on board, it was causing him some amount of discomfort, which as a kid, I wasn't as sensitive to as I should have been. Years later, When these Snorks were in reruns, I would rediscover them and come to enjoy them on their own terms. So I guess this story isn't really a story, but I wanted to use it as an apology for my Snork-loving friend. I wish that I could have shared your passion at the time, but if you are listening, you'll be happy to know that eventually I did come around. They never occupied the same space in my heart that the Smurfs occupied, but I found there was a little room to let a couple of Snorks in. On today's show we're going to talk about the snorks, we'll talk about the people behind it, we'll talk about what is a snork, where they're from, how they live, we'll talk about the people who voice the snorks, some of the more popular snorks, we'll talk about the various seasons of the snorks, snork merchandise, and where you can find the snorks today. We have a snorky and info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Snorks were created by Belgian comic artist Nicolas Broca, who goes by the alias Nick, capital N, capital I, capital C, and they were made for a comic series called Spiro et Fantasio, which I'm sure I'm butchering, in 1982. The Snorks might have stayed on the comic pages in their very limited form, if not for Freddie Monagendam, who worked for the licensing firm SEP. Freddy was the executive producer of the Smurfs animated series, and he was searching for something he thought could rival the success of the Smurfs, which he had tried to buy the rights for in 1977. He saw this creation by Nick as a perfect rival for the Smurfs and bought the rights to them in 1982. He then had a three-minute Snorks pilot created, which was shown to NBC. NBC thought, hey, this isn't bad. A couple of years later, the snorks were born. You might have seen the snorks in your life. They are a small, colorful race of beings who live underwater in a world called Snorkeland, of course. The thing that makes them snorks is the fact that they have a snorkel on their head, which they use to move through the water swiftly. Not in the way we would use a snorkel to breathe from. Now, the Snorks sort of live like humans, and that is because, according to their backstory, in 1643, a couple of Snorks ventured up to the surface, which they call outer space, and watched a battle between a Royal Navy ship of the Spanish Armada and some pirates. The captain of the ship wound up in the water, and the Snorks saved him. The captain was so grateful, he wrote a book about the Snorks. And even though he did so, few humans believe in their existence. They're still sort of mythological. Since the encounter with the captain, the Snorks began adopting human habits. Things we take for granted like, say, wearing clothes. Now, I'm not so sure about the physiology of Snorks. I do know there were episodes in which the Snorks encountered freshwater Snorks. And freshwater Snorks are different. They have two Snorkels on their head, which makes them slightly different than their saltwater cousins. Today's show is brought to you by Local Dairy. Need a snack while watching the snorks? Why not order something from your local dairy?
0: This means you're on your way to start your day find your
1: dairy products on your doorstep
0: Today
1: Love those dairies. There were a couple of main snorks who I'll cover here, along with the people who voiced them. All-Star Seaworthy is probably the most famous of these snorks, the athletic yellow-skinned snork. He is generally the leader, hence the name All-Star. His love interest is Casey. He has a little sister named Small-Star. All-Star was voiced by Michael Bell, who throughout the 80s starred in many hit animated series series. He was the voice of Grouchy, Handy, and Lazy on the Smurfs. In the Transformers and Transformers the Movie, he was Prowl, Sideswipe, Bombshell, and Swoop on G.I. Joe. He voiced Duke, Blowtorch, Zaymot, and many others. He also did some work on Star Trek The Next Generation. He was in Encounter at Farpoint as the Bandai Administrator Groppler Zorn. And he was in Deep Space Nine in the episode Homecoming as a Bajoran. Casey Kelp was voiced by B.J. Ward. Casey is the love interest of All-Star. She's a light pink snork with red hair. She is the female equivalent of All-Star and the perfect match for him. Billie Jean Ward has worked a lot, but those of you who grew up in the 80s might know her best for her voice work in G.I. Joe as Scarlet and as Betty Ross in the 1982 Incredible Hulk animated series. Wellington Whitworth, Jr., was voiced by Barry Gordon. He's an orange-skinned snork with blue hair, kind of a jerky, snobby type. In a very small sense, he was the villain for much of the first two seasons. Even though he starts trouble in many episodes, by the end he usually learns some sort of lesson. Once we get up to season three and a more major villain is established, he becomes a more integral part of All-Stars gang. Barry Gordon is a voice actor, was also the head of the Screen Actors Guild from 1988 to 1995. Did voices in a tremendous amount of shows, maybe most famous for providing the voice for Donatello and Bebop in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He also provided the voice for the Quick Bunny in the Nestle's Quick commercials. If you're a Star Trek fan, Gordon also appeared in Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Daphne Gilfin was voiced by Nancy Cartwright. She's sort of a coral-colored, dark-haired snork. A good snork, but a little concerned with outward appearances. Nancy Cartwright, a very famous voice actress, is probably best known as the voice of Bart Simpson on the TV show The Simpsons. She's done other voices, but on The Simpsons, she also voices Nelson Muntz, Ralph Wiggum, Kearney, and Todd Flanders. Tudor Shelby, the green-skinned snork who doesn't talk. He can communicate only through tooting. He's well-liked by the rest of the snorks who have no problem understanding him. He's just sort of quirky. He was voiced by Frank Welker. Welker is a prolific voice actor, provided many voices, probably most famous as the voice of Fred Jones across many of the Scooby-Doo franchises. He was also the voice of many Transformers, including Soundwave and Megatron. Here's another Smurf connection. He was also the voice of Hefty Smurf in the Smurfs. Welker would also voice All-Star's pet octopus, Aki. Check out his resume. It is a mile long. Demi Finster, who was voiced by Brian Cummings, he was an athletic, big snork. He kind of seemed like a big deal in the first two seasons, but by the third season, he disappears, just shows up occasionally. Brian Cummings, the person who voiced him, worked a lot. If you're an 80s kid, you will probably know him as the voice of Dr. Mindbender on G.I. Joe. Corky, who is voiced by Rob Paulson, is an orange snork who is the defender of the peace of Snorkland. Paulson is a voice actor, best known as the voice of Raphael in The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Yakko Warner in The Animaniacs, and Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. We'll return after these messages. It's
0: Never, never feed him after midnight. It's yes never. It's fun to care for Gizmo. He's a lovable. Pet. I'll take care of you, Gizmo. He's a lovable. <laughs> Snorks. You'll flip over the funny antics of these lovable, laughable little undersea creatures. Now every weekday. Weekday mornings at six on Independent Baltimore 54.
1: And now back to our show. There were other Snork characters. Doctor Strange Snork Seaworthy was voiced by Rene Auberjonois. Is the mad scientist. He tries to take over Snorkland with various schemes. Auberjonois is a American film and television actor probably best known for two roles. He played Father Mulcahy in the film version of M.A.S.H., and he played Odo on Deep Space Nine. But those are just two roles in a very large body of work, including shows like Benson, Boston Legal, and movies like The Little Mermaid. Dr. Strange Snork's sidekick was named Phineas, who had vocal effects provided by Frank Welker. Phineas is an orange catfish. In Season 3, the main villain became Big Weed, He is a magical seaweed-like creature, but will take on the form of snorks or other sea life to enact his plans. He is also voiced by Michael Bell. His sidekick is Lil Seaweed, who was voiced by B.J. Ward. Lil Seaweed seems to be of the same species as Big Weed, but with a little less power. Another threat to the Snorks is the great Snork-Nork, who is the vampire of the Snork world. Unlike the other Snorks, his Snork is on the front of his face and turning downward. He obviously is a vampire because he sleeps upside down, which makes a lot of sense underwater. He has fangs and avoids all light. Now with a little bit more about one of these talented people is Vic's age? with another, Why Should I Know This Person?,
0: Hi friends, Vic Sage here with Why Should I Know This Person? And this time I'm focusing the spotlight on an actor that the retroist happened to overlook, Clive Reville. Clive Selsby Reville was born on April 18, 1930 in Wellington, New Zealand. After attending Rongotai College and Victoria University, he changed his career path from that of an accountant to acting. He made his stage debut in Auckland, New Zealand, playing Sebastian in Twelfth Night in 1950. Clive then moved to England to study with the Old Vic School in London. While there, he peered at Stratford-on-Avon for the mid-1950s productions of Julius Caesar, Love's Labor's Lost, The Merchant of Venice, The Tempest, and Hamlet, to name just a few. After finding great success on Broadway in the 1960s with his roles in Oliver, The Mikado, and The Pirates of Penzance, he began to earn roles in movies and television, such as 1965's Bunny Lake is Missing where he appeared with Lawrence Olivier, 1966, A Fine Madness with Sir Sean Connery, in 1968, The Shoes of the Fisherman, where he co-starred with Olivier once again, as well as Anthony Quinn. In the 1970s, he appeared with Christopher Lee in The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes, He starred in The Legend of Hell House. He appeared in The Little Prince, Galileo, where he appeared with Topol in Sir John Gilgood*, In Walt Disney's One of Our Dinosaurs is Missing. It was in 1980 that Clive landed one of his biggest mainstream roles, when he was cast as the voice of the Emperor in Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. We have a new enemy, Luke Skywalker. Yes, my master. He could destroy us. He's just a boy. It was in the 80s when Clive landed his first animated series voice work as Dr. Galeo Seaworthy in The Snorks. In the 1980s, Clive could be found in such nighttime TV shows as Dynasty, The Facts of Life, and T.J. Hooker, to name just a few. While on Saturday mornings and weekday afternoons, he could be heard on The Chipmunks, Dragon's Lair as the storyteller, and on Transformers as the villainous Insecticon grasshopper Kickback, a role he reprised, however briefly, in Transformers the movie. Clive has continued to work in TV throughout the 90s and to today. He has also branched out the voice over work for video games like Marvel Ultimate Alliance as Doctor Doom, Thorin Oakenshield in 2003's The Hobbit, and various voices for Star Wars The Old Republic. Clive has a few notable distinctions in his 175 acting credits. He has a distinction of being the last murderer Lieutenant Columbo investigates in the final episode of the 1968 Columbo TV series, which lasted until 1978. He has also appeared in four different unrelated productions about Robin Hood, 1955's The Adventures of Robin Hood, 1987's Star Trek The Next Generation episode entitled Cupid, in 1991's Robin Hood Men in Tights, and just recently, in 2012, with Tom and Jerry, Robin Hood and His Merry Mouse. This has been Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person, signing off until next time.
1: The Snorks premiered on NBC on September 15th, 1984, and that first season lasted till December 8th of that same year. The first season had a narrated opening that talked about the mythical legend of these underwater sea creatures, and it went a little something like this.
0: I first discovered Captain Ortega's logbook in a monastery that overlooks the sea on the morning of February 13, 1634. Captain Ortega anchored his ship behind a barrier reef. That night, they were attacked by pirates. The ship set afire, sank into the lagoon. Ten days later, the captain was found, delirious, still clutching his logbook. He described a world of tiny underwater creatures, no bigger than his thumb. No one believed him. But you know there's something about Captain Ortega's story that makes me believe it's true. Snork alone. It's a snorkel celebration. Snork alone. Let's mark the happy song. Smoke alone. Let's knock the happy song.
1: Season two of the snorks ran from September 14th, 1985 to May 4th, 1986. This season would have a theme that included an up-tempo song called Where the Snorks. Maybe you've heard it? Along,
0: let's to the place where snorks reside true for me and you. We're the Snorks. We're the Snorks. We're the Snorks. Everyone's gonna have lots of fun. We're snarkin' there. snorkin snorkin everywhere. Deep below the ocean blue. Trains come true for me
1: Now, after season two, the Snorks went into syndication, and starting in September of 1987, would run as part of the Fantastic World of Hanna-Barbera. This is the season where the more familiar "Come Along with the Snorks" theme debuted. So now's your opportunity to sing along with "Come Along with the Snorks." Season 4 of the show ran from September 1988 to 1989. It also was part of the syndicated The Fantastic World of Hanna-Barbera. While the other seasons consisted of two snork shorts, these season 4 episodes were actually full-length episodes, running 20-something minutes each. Personally, I prefer when they split them up, but there's some interesting stories being told in these longer episodes. While... The snorks were not as big a hit as the Smurfs, they did the last four seasons, and that meant that they appeared on a lot of merchandise. Merchandise including toys, lunch boxes, plush figures, board games, card games, stickers, mugs, squeak toys, water pistols, clothing, buttons, bedding, and more. The snorks were even popular enough that in nineteen eighty five they made it to the ice capades. I keep dreaming that one day we will see a Retroist Icecapades. I wonder two things. Who do I contact to make that a reality? And which world champion figure skater will represent Vic Sage? Because that is the juicier role in the Retroist Icecapades. If you're lucky enough to have Boomerang, the Snorks have been known to run there quite consistently. The first season was also released as a DVD on demand, which you can buy online. You can also find the Snorks on Hulu Plus, and a couple of episodes have been known to make it on YouTube from time to time. So if you want a taste of the Snorks, that's where I would start. And once you're addicted, escalate. get it all. We'll return after these messages.
0: Wake up, guys. We got work to do. We do. Well, I've got to get out the morning edition. And we've got to get out the breakfast edition. What's it say? Snap, crackle, pop. What else? Snap, it's the snappiest sound to do. You gotta get cracking when crackle comes through. There's no stopping once pop is poppin'. I'm talking just to you. Sounds good. Kellogg's Rice Krispies, the talking part of this complete breakfast. Mm, good work, guys. When it comes to breakfast, we deliver. You're a mm. Toys R Us kid. Why not come and join us? Jeffrey! into the magic world that's called Toys R Us. In the magical land, so where else would you go? When everything's a Toys R Us. Great prices, you know. It's new and... It's a toy they've got. And the prices are hard to beat Ooh. You can search the whole world But when the rest know It's the one and only place to go More games, more toys, out fun It's the world's biggest toy So let's go!
1: And now, back to our show. If you have grown up with the Smurfs and are tired of them and you're saying, I wish I could have more Smurfs but maybe underwater and not so blue, then the Snorks are for you. They have a lot in common in the pacing and style. They are also both pretty well made for cartoons in the 80s. I came to the Snorks a little later in life, so I don't have a lot of the childhood associations beyond peripheral stuff and what I was exposed to from my friend, but I'm still able to appreciate that style of animation and storytelling. And I can tell you that... It is right up there with the top stuff that was manufactured in the mid 80s. So, if you are a fan of that stuff, I suggest you check it out. You won't be disappointed.
0: What's in the ocean? What's in the ocean?
1: Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com retroist.com and twitter.com retroist. Thanks to Vic Sage for another Why Should I Know This Person? If you have feedback for Vic, you can email him at vicsage at ratros.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Small
0: fish. Small fish and large fish moving restlessly, herring for breakfast, flounder for dinner, sardine and tuna for the cannery.
1: So their snorks are not snorkels at all. But the name snorkel is fun to say. And when you say it's snork, like in smurfing and snorking,
0: snork, 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 snork. This has been a Retroist production. Goodbye.